Welcome to the Penny and Pops podcast. He's Spencer Penny Strode. I'm Adam Pops Papa Giorgio. It's been two and a half years since we potted. It's been seven years since your Orlando Magic were in a playoff race. Magic Basketball Online may be resting in peace, but just like Rob Hennigan at Awawa at 3 a.m., we're alive and we're back. Let's go. Whoa, 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 whoa. Get out the way, get out the way, get out the way, yeah. yeah. Get out the way, get the fuck up on my way, yeah. yeah. You either with me or against me, ho. You either with me or win. Win, 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 win. Yeah. Fuck everything else. Win, 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 win. Yeah, that's right. We've been reading your tweets, and I've even been reading some of the Reddit requests, but we are back. Penny, welcome back. Uh, I guess the reason why we've been gone for the past two and a half years is because you've been on a bender since the Cubs won the World Series. Are you, are you, do you have that out of your system finally now? finally stopped celebrating, and now we have something to celebrate with the Magic's play of, of late. Yeah, so, and of course, you know, my Eagles won the Super Bowl in the, in the time we've been gone. Um, you know, UCF has become a, a football superpower all of a sudden, and the basketball team might actually get an at-large bid to the NCAA tournament, which is a miracle in itself. So at least we got to derive joy in other areas of our sports fandom. But uh, we are back. We, uh, in all seriousness, you know, I, I, the reason why we've been gone for this long and uh, why, you know, there was even doubt of this coming back was because you know i've been in the ucf masters program for uh over a year and a half now and uh i pretty much got burned out doing both the podcast and the website and having a full-time job and then also taking on the ucf stuff that i was going to take on so um you know apologies to brian sarah in advance but uh we uh you know i i couldn't handle it all and i do i do appreciate all my time doing all the magic uh, reporting and being in the locker room all the time for a good portion of about five years and uh you know i i feel rejuvenated watching this team of late not right now because the magic just lost to the Cavs, but in general we feel very rejuvenated and we still feel that there's a need to actually have local opinions on the magic and not depend on you know national outlets who just laugh about the magic and still don't really take them too seriously but we're back, and it's funny, you know, going over some of the things that have happened in the two and a half years I've been gone. I actually had a little bit of a running list. Um, you know, Alex Martins is still around, but still. Uh, but uh, you know, uh, Rich and Helen DeVos passed away. Uh, we'll we'll delve into maybe ownership questions in the in the future in future episodes. But uh, at least we don't have to talk about guys like Jeff uh, Jeff Green, Bismack Biombo, Steven Zimmerman, Alfred Payton. And uh, guys like Serge Ibaka any longer. So, uh, you know, Frank Vogel is long and gone. Rob Hennigan's long and gone. He may be at a Wawa near you. I don't know. Be on the lookout. Um, Hoagie fest. <laughs> but uh, Stan Van Gundy's man. Steve Clifford's in charge since then. And, uh, you know, Jeff Waltman and John Hammond been handling the front office. And I'd say, you know, after a little bit of uh, bit of worry, uh, I think they've, they've got it turned around now. So, you know, it's... They're playing like an 8C team. As we speak right now, the Magic, again, lost to the Cavaliers. They've been on this weird trend since the All-Star break where it's like, oh, hey, we'll beat all the, pl- the playoff teams, but we'll lose to all the crappy ones at the same time. Naturally. So since they won five straight games before the All-Star break, after that, it's, it's, they lose at home to the Bulls. They beat the Raptors in Toronto. I know Ka- Kawhi set, but still the Raptors are really freaking good. Then you lose at the Garden to the Knicks. And then 
beat Golden State, even though they sat Kevin Durant, and even though after the Magic beat Golden State, they still, you know, the Warriors felt like, ah, we'll, we'll shoot 18 holes anyway. Right. So, um, you know, and then very recently, just last night, uh, you know, the Magic beat the Pacers in Indiana. You and I were out downtown for that one, uh, enjoying and almost having a few heart attacks during that comeback. But uh, we'll break down the Warriors game a little bit and the Pacers and, unfortunately, this terrible Cavs loss. As now, based off of this weird trend, it, it looks like the Magic's easy schedule might be to their detriment at this point. Like, we need playoff teams to right. face. Playing up to the schedule and down to the schedule, which is not how you want to operate so let's let's just talk to the about the Warriors a little bit I knew we were it it was going to be a good game because uh, the very first play uh Aaron Gordon is trying to feed Jonathan Isaac going up the middle and it bounces off uh the McKinney guy who was in there for Durant and it just got tipped in as a basket so um it's I, I am curious how many of those supposed Golden State Warriors fans that were in the building how many of them are actually Warriors fans and how many of them are just from like I don't know out that the suburbs. It's it's do they do they have like a rotation of like Heat jerseys, Celtics jerseys, Cavs jerseys? Um, you know, it's how many of them still had the tags on the back? Because the, the arena looked about sixty percent for the Magic, and there was a lot of Warriors gear in there. But yeah, it's hard being a bandwagon fan. The Magic were down, you know, thirteen with nine minutes to go in the game, and then you know Isaiah Briscoe is like keeping us afloat, and uh, you know Terrence Ross, who I don't know, do we like the Human Torch nickname? I'm fine with it. You're not a superhero guy, though, are you? I, I don't. I'm comic books and superheroes are not my milieu so to speak, but uh, I think it fits. I think it's appropriate, except for the last couple of games. I didn't know milieu was a word, dude. (laughs) But, um, yeah, so, but thankfully Terrence Ross, uh, in one of those wonderful on-fire games, he ended up, you know, the Magic go down from 13 down with nine minutes to go to Ross is out there tying the game with 420 to go, you know, there's a little bit of back and forth. People were like, oh, Steph Curry had a terrible game. Well, I was watching the third quarter. He hit a lot of threes. He, thankfully, you know, he, he did miss a few gimmies. Well, for him, right. 35 feet's like a gimme, but he missed a few of those late. But, you know, that's one of those where you, you need to win it if you want to try and make a playoff push. Right. Like, like Golden State didn't shoot up to their capabilities, but the Magic did do enough positive to take advantage of, you know, having having an opportunity to come back and win and sealing the deal. And I was worried because the night before, they're in Miami losing to freaking Dwayne Wade's got, you know, ridiculous right. Hail Mary shot. But, you know, at the same time... You know, Luckily, they've accomplished enough that that... Uh, fluke loss didn't carry over into extra motivation and again, for playing against the Magic. Yeah, they rested Duran. Yeah, they rested Iguodala. But so what? You still got to go out and win. You know, the same thing goes for that. You know, Milwaukee Bucks win that we had when Adetokumbo was sitting. Like again, people are gonna sit at this point, right? Because of this thing called load ma- load management. That's load management is is the key terminology. I feel like this season. Um, you know, I don't I don't remember if it was like minutes restriction took it over before the you know last season or not, but. Um, you know, it was great to see the Magic win despite our all-star, and I'm happy to say our all-star, yeah. Nikola Vucevic, not having a great shooting night. However, the, you know, I, I'm, I'm the one that's been on Vooch Island for such a long time, and it's great that he made the all-star, you know, he made the all-star game. 
He even participated in the skills challenge, which despite his kind nature, he allowed Jokic to beat him, even though he, he could have taken a second shot before Jokic got his off, right? He still performed better than Alfred Payton sleepwalking through the course, so I, we, we still have something to be proud of on the weekend. But I just having an all-star and seeing, you know, after when the Magic beat the Pacers, I think it was January 31st, and... You know, the the team is, like, celebrating Vooch being named to the All-Star team. Like, I feel like that's really what spurred the Magic to go on that 8-3 and February, which the Magic were number one in a lot of defensive categories, um, you know, despite people, you know, still criticizing Vooch and wanting to look at, you know, Bamba, who is out with, with his injury right now. And, you know, people have been hating on Fournier. I mean, we've all been hating on Fournier, honestly. You, ha- you have, I have, but Fournier had the best – player net rating on the team in February, which stunned me considering you have guys like Vooch and you have guys like Terrence Ross, who is now in like the sixth man category all of a sudden. So I actually, I, it seems like Fournier's bad play has been magnified or, or he's kind of been the scapegoat. And certainly there have been plays and decisions that really make you scratch your head. It seems like it's really momentum killing, but I did look the other day at the end of the uh, Indiana Pacer game Saturday night. What do you think Evan Fournier's shooting percentage is this year on two-point baskets? Just in general, two-point baskets. Two-pointers. I'd say like 60% maybe. He's made a lot because, I mean, he's made a lot. I would think he's made a decent clip. But. So he's he's shooting all two-point field goals. He's shooting 50% for the year, which is pretty still pretty That's good. That's still pretty I don't right. know. I, I, I guess I think he gets more layups than I think he does. I so his three-point shooting percentage, again, as of you know March 1st, is only 33%. Yeah. And I think that the for the last, let's say, four years, we're used to him coming in right around at 38% from three. Um, and we're also used to him starting the year super hot and then fading down the stretch. Yeah, so and, and they, part we, of that is injuries, and some of it is just he just he fades. I don't know why. So, you know, not to jump in on your right. point, but he seems to be getting it going here late. If so. he can capture that, that you know, one-month stretch of games where he's shooting 50% from two, 40% from three, and not uh, making critical turnovers yeah i think the biggest complaint with with him that i you know i think we're being a little nice on him in some aspects when it comes to he holds on to the ball too much like he kills ball movement at some in some instances and so a lot of the reason why he has to take clutch shots is because you know he's been holding on to the ball and costing us you know costing us uh, possessions late in the fourth quarter and you're the master the bat you know the masterful basketball genius out of the two of us you've actually coached so um, well, I think for Fournier, too, one of the things that's noticeable, and we've all played uh, at some level or on the playground, and there's the, there's the guy that you play with who uh, he'll get you the ball, but he'll get you the ball just a split second too late that puts you out of rhythm. And I think that goes back to what you're talking about, where he, he pounds the ball for just a second too long, and then by the time that he gets it to Aaron Gordon or he gets it to Vooch in the post or in the mid-range or you know, wherever he's delivering the ball – He's disrupted the timing and the flow of the offensive set. And then even if it's an open shot, it's an open shot that's out of rhythm. And I, I think that's been noticeable to us and to a lot of Magic fans that has, you know, piled on, especially lately, because it just seems like uh, he's really been gumming up the works offensively. Yeah. So going from that great Golden State win, you know, the Magic went on this road trip here this weekend to, you know, take on the Pacers and, 
Indiana's a weird team. They they went into that game still with with the third best record in the East, you know, even though they've been out with they've been without Oladipo for so long, and yet you know Miles Turner all of a sudden is like one of the best shot blockers in the NBA. Although he's he's a weird guy to where it's like he had like that huge posterizing dunk uh, on Isaac in the game. He had that huge block against Ross in like the final minute of the game, but. He goes away and disappears in a lot of instances. Like he doesn't shoot like a bad percentage, but like his his averages aren't that great in general. Like he doesn't really score much. He's not known for rebounding at all. It's just it's really weird with him. But then I think I've been noticing the Magic lately have just have issues with with two point guards on on the court at the same time. So in this case, you know, you had uh Darren Collison and you had um Corey Joseph out uh in that backcourt and the magic were having issues, you know, in the middle of, of that game, they started the game on a 10 0 run, 13 0 run or 13 to two run. And then just, you know, the Pacers took over and look, you're on the road. Pacers have a good home court. Have you been to Baker's left field house? We haven't been there yet. I was actually supposed to go to the game last night, but travel plans got changed. So I'm still looking forward to a, to a trip up to Indianapolis. That's one of those where that stadium's been there, what, over 20 years right. now? And it's it's still like known as like a top five venue to go to. So that'd be nice. It'd be nice to go for a playoff series maybe even too. But um, <laughs> we might get to that later if we get to that yeah. point. I, I don't want to count our chickens, especially when we're losing to, to lottery teams. But for that Warriors game and that, uh, you know, that Pacers game, we got good Terrence Ross. Terrence Ross had you know, 11 fourth quarter points in the Warriors game. He had 16 points in the fourth quarter of the Pacers game. And, you know, you and I were at the lodge and enjoying the, uh, you and I, I were, you and I were the only ones probably looking at that game, watching it, but you and I enjoyed that, that comeback and that, uh, and, and just that win. And then we went to Cleveland tonight. And so, you know, we're recording this literally right after the Magic lost to the Cavs 107-93. They the Magic played no defense to begin the game, and then it just you know they the, at halftime you know they they cut it to within a, a couple buckets, and then the third quarter you know they go out to that slight lead, and you think they're gonna blow the doors open, and it just it didn't happen. Their defense failed them. The second unit they they got nothing out of the second unit. Terrence Ross was like one of twelve tonight. Vucevic was like the only one getting it going, and so you know it's. It's very frustrating because again, now we have this pattern going since the All Star break, where the Magic are, are, you know, you're losing to the Bulls, you're losing to the Knicks, you're losing to the Cavaliers, and yet, you know, tomorrow, you know, Tuesday the Magic are, are in Philly, and maybe we have to look forward to that because the Magic would be in play- playoff teams. Yeah, I think you, you know, you try and find ways to make it forgivable that it's the second night of a back to back, and DJ Augustine is playing hurt, and you know, uh, some people might be. Have, pressed into service that normally wouldn't be but at the end of the day when you when you have a nine point lead in the third quarter or you close the end of the third you're up by five you just can't let the wheels fall off like they did in the fourth quarter tonight but then again at the end of the day like you've said several times lately we're we're watching day in and day out and an eighth seed team and there's going to be wild fluctuation in uh you know their ability to close games their ability to win games their ability to to give games away and uh we're all just kind of strapped in and along for the ride and as we speak now i can finally refer to the uh to the standings because detroit eked out an overtime win against the raptors who sat Kawhi leonard unfortunately so what benefit the magic also benefits detroit i guess right but 
Uh, Detroit actually has the sixth spot now. The Magic are two and a half games back of them. The Magic have sole possession of eight at the moment, but that's because they've played two more games than Charlotte does. So from a game perspective, they're actually even with Charlotte, um, but because the Magic have won one and, and, and lost an extra one, you know, based off of a slight percentage difference, they, uh, you know, they're in front of Charlotte for eighth. Uh, Brooklyn, who is falling back, and they might keep falling because they might have the toughest schedule out of the rest of them the rest of the way. You know, Brooklyn's got a brutal stretch in March where they uh, they got to go on the road and they have to go on a seven-game road trip. So I actually think Brooklyn might fall out of the playoffs entirely. And a seven-game road trip where six of them are really out west and and yeah. and then you come back and play west. like Philly. Right. So um, I might Brooklyn might might be uh, down for the count despite them currently being in seventh and two games in front of the Magic. Mentioned Charlotte, you know, the Magic are 30 and 35, Charlotte's 29 and 34, again, we're even, and then uh, right behind us are our uh, Sunshine State rivals, the Heat. Uh, Miami's just a half game back of both the Magic and Charlotte. Uh, Miami's got a fairly, I'd say, decent, favorable schedule, kind of like the Magic does, but unlike the Magic, uh, Miami actually takes advantage of those games, typically, so... Um, you know, we'll see how that plays out. I even don't even want to entirely count out Washington, who's three games back of the Magic, even though I literally don't know how they're doing this with just like yeah, Bradley Beal. I'm going to count them out. Um, yeah, I. It, it's you know, we we can play the schedule game. You know, where if you look at Charlotte, they have uh, you know, uh, they they lost to Portland today, and so they then play the Heat on Wednesday. So we're going to have our eyes on that one. They play the Wizards on Friday, but I, I don't want to break schedules down or whatnot. There's still almost six weeks to go in the season. The Magic are playing like an eighth seed, you know, which is both good and bad. And that good that they're actually winning some great games, but at the same time, they're crushing your soul. And think and and when you watch them lose to you know teams like the Cavs, teams like the Knicks, and and I kind of want to push back on people back in January that were saying, you know, when the Magic were going through that brutal road trip and just that that month in general, that, that month of January was brutal and rough on them. But, you know, people were saying the Magic should tank. You know, they should just focus on playing Bamba, et cetera. Um, you know, a lot of them have either been quiet or changed their tune to where, hey, just being in the playoffs, I don't care. If the Magic can get the eighth seed, I don't care if they get swept by Milwaukee or right. whoever. Getting in, historically for this franchise, has proven that just getting in is a really good thing. Yeah, I think that, you know, over the course of this extended rebuild that we have, and and you can speak to uh, how this may be different for you, but I try and think of singular moments over the last seven years that really stick out. Uh, You know, maybe the, the first win when Dwight Howard came back as a member of the Lakers, the Tobias Harris game-winning dunk against the Thunder, maybe the Vucevic game-winner again uh, against the Lakers. Yeah, but, competitive moments that right. actually mean something but to not just your team but your fan base. That's few and far between, and I think this year we've been uh, fortunate to experience a lot of uh, outstanding individual performances and game-winners that, you know, Fournier's had a couple that stick with us, but also yeah. just the the fact that and to belabor the point that everyone else has been making in the national media and local media, that the the games that mean something also mean something to the fans, right? I think mm-hmm. that the, the local interest has increased. The, the According to the TV ratings they have, thank the God. The TV challenge has taken place. But, <laughs> Hashtag uh, Magic TV challenge. I think that everybody is vested in this team this year more so than they have been in the previous five or six specifically. 
and I think that we're all kind of reaping the benefits by getting rewarded with with memorable moments. Yeah, and I mean, I can pull up some past Magic examples. Some, you know, most of them probably don't correlate because this team's a little bit different because there's a mix of of youth, but mostly veterans. And I mean, when you look at guys like Fournier and Vooch, they're they're veterans now. You know, not they're not like on an Augustine level where you know every night it seems like DJ Augustine's playing against a team that he's played for. Right. But um, and speaking of Augustine, I I was uh, surprised that he was actually able to play after rolling his ankle in the in the indie game last night. You know, he actually played well against Cleveland. He, yeah. you know, defensively he he had a rough matchup for him. Colin Sexton's just he's really fast and he's actually shooting the ball a lot better than a lot of people expected him to. You know, you talk about you know key game winners you know you had Fournier who had the game winner the last time we played Cleveland here all the way back in November you know it wasn't a game winner last night but he had the clutch three-pointer to close out Andy yeah he sealed it so but you know I I kind of want to try and correlate this team to the 40 and 42 uh 06 07 magic which was Brian Hill's last year Brian Hill um Brian clipboard smashing hill um that was a very interesting interesting situation because that was the season that Dwight Howard kind of just grew up and figured out like oh man I can I you know I can be the man and kind of push us through here and you know that was the situation where the magic had done that trade with Detroit that got them Darko Milicic which was probably the best stretch in his life yeah that great, great. That, that playoff stretch and then yeah, the, the magic were figuring out like okay how much do you play Carlos Arroyo how much do you play Jameer like there's there was that thing, but that was a team where it had a lot of youth, and they were just trying to figure out how to win. And until you get into the postseason, you can't build off of much till then. You know that 0607 season, despite the Magic getting obliterated by Detroit, that went into the next season where, hey, the Magic understand Van Gundy, which thank God Billy Donovan didn't get the job, but right. understand Van Gundy. You know they beat the Raptors in for that first series victory, series victory in a playoff series. In 12 years, they hadn't won one since 96, that right. 08 year. Then they lost to the Pistons again the next round, but then you get to the 09 finals run. So I'm saying there's some progression involved in here. And yeah, after the 06 07 season, you know, the Magic go and sign Richard Lewis. But why they do that? Because Dwight Howard was going to be a freaking beast. And you also have to have a coaching staff in place that seems to know what they're doing. And, you know, we thought it was going to work with with Frank Vogel. Like we were both very confident. You know, two and a half years ago, you and I sat here and we're like, "Oh, the East is so garbage. The Magic should probably eke in." Right. It didn't happen because one, the Magic broke Frank Vogel's spirit. But clearly, whatever formula Vogel used in Indiana didn't work in Orlando. No, the game changed. Right. I mean, the, defensively, that was. Uh, his calling card that's probably the reason one of the main reasons he got the job in Orlando oh yeah and if you look at the success that he had in Indiana where he turned Roy Hibbert into a verticality beast uh, Roy Hibbert out of the league just like Frank Vogel is so you know times change in the NBA schemes evolve and we'll see what happens in his next coaching stop but uh, for the magic it, it obviously didn't quite work out and to go back to your point about the playoffs you talk about the best players in the league, you know, the, the standard trope is that they add one thing to their game every offseason to come back a better or more complete player. And I think a lot of fans don't remember 
the the atmosphere in the playoffs the the building is completely different the red white and blue bunting on the well, you know the, the, yeah, the but, players yeah. until you go through that experience you can't replicate that in any other way other than having the lived experience to to drive your summer workouts to drive you know the team getting back together for for team workouts oh, earlier yeah. in the summer the the evolution of the team as a whole and progressing into deeper rounds in the playoffs starts by getting in and to be honest with you even if we get swept i agree it's not that big a deal but i trust steve clifford not to deliver a brian hill special i think that he'll get a he'll get one game out of seven yeah, no, I mean, I mean, obviously, yeah, it's this the seven game series have actor probably helps, but going back, I mean, look, Amway Center, it's four times as big as the old arena was, just square footage, right. like that's a fact. There's a lot of you're just noise that can't emanate throughout all that. But you and I were there for the for that Pacer series for one of the games. I can't remember if it was yeah. three or four. Off Sadly, head, we've but. only had one playoff series in yeah. in Amway Center. Yeah, um, well. For you and well, yeah, no, that's true. Yeah, no, it was tw- yeah, yeah. Well, no, ten eleven. That was the Hawks one too, where right. we screwed that up. But we all try to forget that one. But you know, the Pacers one was interesting because the Magic stole one. You know, stole the one game in Indiana. They come back and you know they don't win another one after that. But you know, we were there when you know Redick hit that shot late in the fourth quarter to like tie it up, and that game went to overtime, and we lost unfortunately. But that stadium was loud. That's the loudest I've heard yeah, the Amway absolutely. Center. You know, and obviously they have the fans haven't had much to cheer about since 2012, and so you know, again, playoff basketball it not only helps the organization, it helps their fan base. Just this this run alone right now, even though again we're losing to teams like the Knicks and like we're getting guys like Henry Ellenson going from like a 10 day contract to like a full uh, seasonal Securing contract. The bag. You know, he's he's going to be the Gennaro Pargo maybe of the decade. Who knows? Um, maybe Garrett Temple, we'll see. But, uh, you know, again, that frustration, that means you still give a damn, though. Like, it's better than apathy, because you and I have, we're diehard as they come. Right. But you and I, it would, it like, we've had to, like, cut our hearts off a little bit, just a tiny, tiny bit, because we would have gone fucking mad if we were just fully invested in, like, pulling our hair out for every single game. Now, we still watch, obviously, but... We know that hey, either the team is really crap or they're just too young to really, you know, to really progress. But I think they're putting it together. This run alone, we'll see. You know, it's going to answer a lot of questions, and we'll talk about free agency and whatever way down the line. You know, um, you know, Vooch is going to be a free agent. Uh, Terrence Ross, contract year Terrence Ross is going to be a free agent. You know, depending on how this season plays out and what happens in the playoffs. It's gonna it's gonna determine you know what what the Magic do with that. Do you hand the keys over to Mobamba and say, hey, thanks Vooch for seven years, but you know it's time to go to Mobamba, which I wouldn't be a fan of me being me. But you know that's what Jeff Waltman and John Hammond get paid for. Right, big decisions. Um, and so you know turning some focus a little bit to Tuesday, the Magic do go to Philly. They uh they're gonna get a look at the uh, Tobias Harris added the Philadelphia 76ers. I don't believe they'll have Embiid. I think Embiid's out right now still. Um, you know the last time the Magic played the Sixers, it was Jimmy Butler's debut game, so the Magic did beat him at home. Probably at an ideal situation where Butler is trying to get acclimated. But um, well, I think they're still trying to acclimate post trade. That, that you know they're trying to figure out who's gonna get the ball in crunch time, how they're gonna distribute you know shots. So. Uh, 
I don't think they have everything figured out in Philadelphia right now either. And as you mentioned, a couple of lingering injuries too. I think Boban's still nursing a bone yeah. bruise in the knee. So. And and Boban, I mean, he's a he's a big freaking dude. So he, I, I know he's caused Vucevic some some issues here and there. But um, you know, I know JJ Redick had Tobias Harris on his podcast this just a couple of days ago and. They didn't really talk too much about Orlando, even though they both got traded for each other and they were kind of leading into that right. conversation. But you know, those two, both of them have now played in Orlando, Milwaukee separately, the, the Clippers separately, and now they're together in Philadelphia. Um, I feel like there's a world where you know, if you go back, Tobias Harris should probably still be on this team. Um, you know, you go back to the was it the 16 season where we had Scott Skiles in charge still and. They, uh, the Magic were trying to, you know, they they had collapsed in January and pretty much February as well, and they do that trade with Detroit to get Brandon Jennings and Ersan Ilyasova to try to jump it, start it, but it didn't happen. And then we kind of talk it talk it away to say, oh yeah, we're just clearing cap space or we're trying to, you know, let Aaron Gordon develop, etc. Right. or whatever. But um, you know, I feel like Tobias is is. And most mag- you know, former Magic guys in general, like you got Oladipo going like all NBA level, you know, before he he unfortunately you know wrecked his knee, and you know even even minor guys like like Maurice Harkless are are, are still kind of you know you look at the Hennigan era and it kind of wants to make you like cut, slit your wrist, but um, not to that degree. But again, you know I'm an optimist, and so. I'm really not going to try and look back on 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 that. Um, We've lived through it. We don't need to live through it again. And so, I do. I I am curious about your thoughts on Bamba because Kem Birch has been freaking phenomenal for the Magic off the bench. And I I wonder. I, I want to know what your take is on if Mo, supposedly Mo Bamba isn't healthy enough to come back and play. So when that does happen. Do you immediately give him back his minutes, or do you just say, "Kem, you're doing an amazing job as the backup center. Stay at it, and we're gonna maybe slowly just get Mo back up to speed." I, I think by virtue of where he was picked, and and the, you know the the fact that the organization has kind of put all their chips in the Mo Bamba basket, I think that as soon as he's healthy again and has gotten some practices under his belt that he'll be back in the rotation. Would I put him back in the rotation? If we're fighting for a playoff spot, the answer is no. And I think that uh, Kem Birch, by virtue of no fault of his own, will be squeezed out of the rotation. But he's been playing great backup minutes. And I think that's a situation where the, the, the thing that Kem Birch brings to the table, right, is his motor. And that's the lingering question mark with Bo- Mo Bamba. There's no question that he's skilled. There's no question that he, you know, he's showed that he has touch yeah. from from distance. He has all world length, obviously. But the knock on him in the draft and what has been observable to this point mm-hmm. is that he's not impacting the game with his physical skills. And we know he's mentally he's sharp. So Smart how can guy. right how the can, first trophy he ever got was in chess so, right how yeah. can he how can he take that you know basketball IQ uh, along with his God given physical gifts and add in work ethic and motor for sustained stretches to really impact the game on both ends of the floor yeah and I th- I think the work ethic is there I just I mean he, maybe he's got more distractions than what Isaac had like Bamba's got like all these like promotions that he does like, right he, I think he he's got like advertising deals with like express and like um 
a couple other things I forget off the top of my head, but I mean, he, he works. And I think the thing with him that's very similar with Isaac, that Isaac ju- has just now like crossed the 82 game threshold, you know, his rookie year, he was out for about three fourths of the year. I want to say of right. his rookie season. And so he's just now played 82 games and, and you look at him and he's looking like the guy I thought he would be, except he's actually shooting the ball way better than I thought as and, far as corner threes right. go. His corner three has been money lately, but also the, the thing that has kind of put him over the top is that he'll get on the ground for a loose ball, he'll get a tip in, he'll get a tip out. He makes the hustle plays that really, especially as the fifth starter, he's doing everything that you want to see. Yeah, and look, I mean... Bomba, he's a good kid. I, I just think like the statistics bear out that right now he be, Kem is just way better to stick with than Mo, and you know Kem's my guy. He played for Olympiacos. He played Euro League ball. Um, you know the Orlando Magic pod squad, which that's something that was not around when we last did this two right. and a half years ago. You know we we love that you know that crew, and obviously they they see the team constantly. They travel with the team. You know David Jeff. Dante, George, you know, they all, you know, when they, and I wish they would meet and have more podcasts more often, but, you know, when they spoke with Vucevic, they were talking about one of the things that made Vucevic an all-star is his his improved defense. He's not a liability on defense like he was in past seasons. Some of that might have been more commitment, but honestly, you know, he gave a lot of credit to uh, one of... uh, Cliff, oh, Steve Clifford's assistant coach is Mike Batiste, who, you know, he's a legend in, in Greek basketball. He played for Panathinaikos. He's played, you know, not to go down the international wormhole too much, but, you know, he was known as like an all-world defender. And the results seem to bear out with Vooch, and Kem's gotten a lot of tips off of that. And so, you know, Kem, look, he's he, he can't shoot. He's, he's not going to pretend to be a shooter he's in there to set amazing picks right. he sets amazing freaking screens and they're not like the kevin garnett illegal variety either like they're clean screens yeah. that he sets and so you know that's something that no one else on the team can do as well so i'm hoping that's something that when mo comes back and when as he's developing his, his strength like he he helps with that because that's going to help with one his pick and pop shot and two actually getting the guard the guard or whoever he's screening for to the hole and really, that's exactly what you want, again, in that backup big spot is, you know, can you protect the rim? Can you generate a couple of extra possessions offensively? And if you think all the way back to 2004, where, you're, you know, you're talking about the progression of Mo Bamba and the progression of Dwight Howard, oh, yeah. where you, you start as, can you defend your position? Can you rebound the basketball? And can you score your points off the offensive glass? The old Johnny Davis method of, you know, you want to see the ball? Well, it's right there on the board. Go get it. Yeah, and, and Dwight started. He was he was a power forward when he started. Kelvin right. Cato was the center. Like, Dwight wanted to be Kevin Garnett when he got in the league. Right. You know, who knew that, you know, a few years in the weight room making this gigantic beast <laughs> of, you know, where he's like the, this unstoppable center. But, um, yeah, so we'll see with Bamba. I... I I don't doubt, obviously, that Jeff and John love the guy. I mean, they wouldn't have drafted him if they didn't. I still wish they would have traded up and got Luka Doncic, but that's going to be something that I'll probably hang over this this franchise for a very long time. But, um, you know, now Moe's, Moe's shown enough to me where it just needs time. He just needs time. I mean, look at Isaac. And Isaac plays very well off of Aaron all of a sudden and and we saw it in summer league where Isaac's getting like the Kevin Durant treatment you know where he was in Vegas and basically everything got ran through him he looked like freaking Kevin Durant with the ball and so you know I've been saying it this whole time that you know 
Isaac is the offensive small forward, defensive power forward, and AG is the defensive small forward, offensive power forward, and I think it's panning out. Um, you know, Aaron, um, he had a great start to the season shooting-wise, October, November, and, you know, that's fallen off a lot, but he, not to continue to repeat my, my opinions that I've had in the past, but I think Aaron needs to play more of the Sean Marion role where he's just kind of, you know, if you're open, take the shot. He's got way better shooting form than Sean Marion does, but he needs to crash the, the boards. He needs to cut, get to the hole, and he's doing that. I mean, he's had all these electric highlights just from his aggression. And speaking of aggression, Isaac has developed that ever since he got snubbed from the rookie sophomore game or the whatever it's not the rookie sophomore game necessarily the anymore flip but got switched yeah the flip just got turned on like oh the crap switch got flipped yeah <laughs> the switch got flipped but uh, you know isaac all of a sudden has just been really aggressive and then part of that is he's played 82 games now and it's just i think the game slowed down for him and he figured like he figured out that oh i can actually use my huge seven foot frame and actually get to wherever i want and a lot of that is just developing the strength. I like to credit the Magic's new training staff and the strength and conditioning staff. It seems to be working out so far. You know, he had that little scare early in the season with his legs again, and I thought, oh, crap, not again. But he's he's been holding up, and I'm pretty happy about that. Um, all right, do you think Markel Fultz is actually going to play this season? I Absolutely not. And I don't think that we want him to. I think we've settled, you know, with Augustine, knock on wood, remaining healthy. Yeah. To this point, save for the little ankle injury, but we we've rounded out a pretty good backcourt rotation. Yeah, no, I mean, like DJ Augustine, he's played now. I think 131 out of 132 games. I don't think you going into the season this kind of production. If you thought you were going to get it from DJ Augustine, no. you were in the minority. But no. he's he's exceeded all expectations. And thank so. God because our, our you know our our point guard depth still isn't great because like, no. we went with Jaron Grant to begin the season you know as the backup point guard, and then thankfully that Isaiah Briscoe who last year around this time was in uh, Estonia. Right. Isaiah Briscoe, which another great Weltman Hammond find right now at the moment, he's actually hold block, held down that backup spot. And even in, in, the, in the few games that Briscoe's not played or he's been out injured or whatever, and you had to put Grant in, it's like, oh, crap. Like, it's we need Briscoe bad. And he just brings that, that greedy, grittiness. He's not going to really turn the ball over. He's not really much of a shooter, but he gets to the rim pretty well. He gets to the free throw line at a fairly respectable rate, and I think he get, he, he, he gets the ball moving. Yeah, credit to him for seizing that opportunity and bringing another dimension to the team that really nobody else on the roster brings. Now, not to gloss over Markel Fultz, one, do you, did you like the trade, the, the trade deadline deal? Well, I think you look at it, first of all, yeah, obviously. I think we all we you, we didn't we give all up did, much right. at all. If you think about Jonathan Simmons, he was nowhere close to the player that he was last year. No, like he jacked up his elbow or whatever it was, his his arm, his hand, whatever in the in the summer, and it's just he hasn't been anywhere near as good as last season. I can argue last season wasn't that great right. for him either. And if you take a look at the picks that we will end up conveying or the you know the pick, the pick right? yeah, which wasn't even really ours. It's like Oklahoma City's. It it would have it's top 20 protected and like we know Weltman and Hammond don't like picks in the 20s. Right. Um and not even looking at Markel Fultz as a former number 1 overall pick, which you could, but you're looking at him as somebody who can come in 
on a, a place where, as you mentioned, we have, you know, it's a thin spot on our on our depth chart, on our roster. And if you can get serviceable play from him, you take a flyer on it for a year and then see where you go from there. There's, you know, nothing but upside in that transaction. Um, and then Wes Wandu, I got to bring him up real quick because I did not expect him to even be on the roster come May, probably the start of the season. No. And then he he play he's played his ass off. He's proving to be the best defender the team has statistically, and he's actually starting to get somewhat of a decent offensive game going. I mean he's he's still not shooting that consistently, but I mean he's he's getting to the hole a lot. He's had some huge aggressive just takes to the hole, either layups or that huge dunk he had against Indy the other night. I mean I you know Wondu is proving that. Come, come maybe playoff time, you might actually see him start a game depending on a matchup. That, yeah, that's I mean, and you're obviously you're not going to look for him to lead the offense or lead the offense in the second unit, but what he brings defensively is unrivaled on the team. And offensively, he's looking a lot more confident. He's shooting the three ball. The results may not always be there, but he's shooting it with confidence. He's made a couple of noticeable, you know, big-time threes. Um, and as you mentioned, taking it to the rim, he's been fearless in driving. I'd like to see him cut out, uh, you know, some of those long contested rhythm pull-up jump shots that he still takes as kind of a pet shot. But his progression from the start of the year till now as a contributing member uh, of the bench has been great to watch. And then just going back to full, the fold steal and whatnot, the Sixers fans long already turned on Jonathan Simmons. That took like no time at all, but... I mean, so yeah, I don't think Fultz is gonna play um, this season. It he, you know, he's rehabbing in LA. He's doing what he needs to do. It just it's fine. The Magic are on this run, unless the Magic fall off a cliff in the next month. I don't expect them to play in April. Um, you know, to, at the end of the regular season or any of that. Now, if somebody gets hurt, that gets really interesting. And again, you know, knock on wood, Augustine's been pretty healthy up to this point. And so we'll we'll see how that plays out, but it seems we we agree that we're not going to see Fultz this season. Although there was that rumor that he was getting ready to come back in in, in you know after the All Star break, but clearly that was just a rumor. I, I think I would bet my mortgage that we would see Troy Copain before we see Markel Fultz. And I think actually Copain Copain yeah, <laughs> but uh, he uh, I think the Magic just recalled him from Lakeland. He's going to join them in Philly on Tuesday, so. I don't know if he was just a buffer for Augustine or, or what, but you know, since since we've been out during the two and a half years, the D League's become the G League, and then um, you know the Lakeland we have the Lakeland Magic, not the Erie BayHawks anymore. Thankfully, and, and Lakeland's actually good this season, and so you know we'll see how how that how the G League team plays out, plays out. Um, it'd be interesting if we get you know one of those guys to really actually contribute in the future, maybe, but. You know, it, it's good to have a good G League team. Might see some G, some playoff basketball if we get to that point. Who knows? But, uh, you know, we'll worry about the main team in that manner. Yeah. Um, what do we think of the blue throwbacks jerseys being back this year? And then also the Love actual... Them. The actual intros and them whipping out the old graphics from the arena into the I'm not a, center. I'm not ashamed to admit it that on the, you know, we've been to a handful of retro nights so far this season and... 
when they when they play the old video and first of all i like all the touches the old arena you know orlando arena scoreboard oh yeah god yeah. i love yeah. i miss that so, old jumbotron font. kudos to the game ops people for really delivering on that but yeah i've gotten misty-eyed once or twice i get goosebumps when i hear that damn intro and i know they they, they remix it a little bit when they actually get to the starting lineup portion which they shouldn't have they should just let paul porter go like old school full on but um, I get goosebumps with the with the old music and just that whole atmosphere. It just works. They should just go with it, stick with it full time. It's still better than what our in arena entertainment is anyway. Oh. But um, I don't want to trash them right now. I'm I'm in too good of a mood with the Magic being in a playoff hunt. I do want to give huge props to Lisa Leslie. What a freaking addition that's been for Magic analysis. And probably the great thing about it is she's not really a magic employee like she's like pretty much like just a part-time like she just shows up almost. and not just your favorite south florida commercial real estate agent <laughs> but also your favorite fox sports florida game analyst and you know it's like josh robbins went from the orlando center to the athletic which i hope that's paying off for him because i love the man's writing and he deserves all the accolades he can get and again he's had to deal with the awfulness of traveling and having to follow the magic for so long. Same thing goes with John Denton, even though he's employed by the magic and he has to right. be like Mr. Happy or at least Mr. Positive when it comes to all the back and forth, you know, it's it, it being terrible for seven years. It kills you. I mean, it, it damn near killed me. That's why I had to step away from the website and the podcast. And I'm glad to bring the podcast back. So I guess the plan going forward with the pod is to, you know, through at least the rest the rest of the regular season, do do one a week, and then uh, you and I, I think, have plans. Hopefully, if the Magic make the playoffs, to uh, to go to game one. I, yeah, I think we're either going to end up eating cheese curds or poutine, but we'll be going somewhere. And if not, then whatever the local specialty cuisine is of Lakeland, Florida, we'll be checking that out. Yeah, we got a long way to go because I mean, you know, when we beat the Pacers, they were the third best team in the East, and then they dropped Philly. I'm sure is happy that they got the leapfrog them. No one wants to see the Sixers and Celtics go at each other in the first round. That'd right. be kind of a waste. Um, but it's way too early to see, like, do playoff matchups or anything. Like, the Magic got to handle their stuff. You know, again, they play the Sixers on Tuesday, and then they uh, they come back home to take on Dallas, who is, I think, secretly tanking at this point. Oh, yeah. Um, they, there's no way they can make the playoffs, and so I think they need to just get Dirk as many touches as possible so he can pass Wilt Chamberlain on the points list. I think part of the reason why Cleveland's tried so hard tonight is because they actually have a pretty decent cushion on the third worst record in the league. And so the way the new lottery format works is each of the three worst teams gets 14% in the lottery. It's not like, you know, oh, you get, you know, 25%, you get 20%. No longer is there an incentive to be the worst team. You can just be one of the worst. Right. And so that's why Cleveland's out there rolling out, you know, Kevin Love, who he came alive late in the fourth quarter and it was Kevin Love's 11th game of the season and you know it's it's a tough loss I I completely understand but again it's just progression and what the Magic are hopefully gonna con- do and continue and bringing positivity on this run and you know you and I will will be more than happy to uh, to hopefully uh be go along for the ride and and hopefully uh we'll see the Magic in the playoffs it's 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 going to be a long way to go, you know. The Magic, you know, they're at Philly Tuesday. We host uh, Dallas on Friday. Let's get one this week, and let's hope for two. We got to get one. 
the way that's gonna work is we're gonna get we're gonna get the Philly one, then we're gonna lose at Dallas, and then next you know next Sunday we're in Memphis. We're probably gonna lose to them too because they're bad. It, I I just hope this thing just ends. Like I'm fine with losing the Philly game if we can just beat these lottery teams right. now. Like just reverse the trend. And we got the national media stirring up a bit. Kenny Smith's out there on TNT calling the Magic a playoff team. I think uh, Charles is dreaming of churros too much still <laughs> and whatnot. But, um, you know, I, I know the starters, they do like their drop podcast. So along with their NBA TV show, they do the drop or whatever. And they're kind of joking around how, you know, since they've been on NBA TV for the past six years, they've never talked about the Magic in March. And they actually have to talk about the Magic now. Right. So, you know, again, baby steps. But, uh you know, it's still fun. It's still funny how so many people just get wrong, a lot of things wrong about this team. You know, no one's been talking about how great Terrence Ross has been, although he had a dud against Cleveland. I get he got a dud against New York, but he's in the six-man running. You know, other than the Clippers two guys, Montrez Harrell and uh, Lou Williams, I think Terrence and Terrence is right there. But um, I think Steve Clifford said it best in his post-game press conference. I think after the Golden State Warriors game, that every time he raises up you think it's going in, and that's a testament to his skill set and also the type of season that he's been having for the Magic. I think we've talked enough for, for the first show back. There's a lot of rust that i got to kick off my Oof. tires, but uh, look, we, we appreciate anyone that's going to be listening to us. Um, Magic Basketball Online is not coming back. I just can't do it. There's too much time dedicated to other things for me. Um, you know, I got this huge banner in my garage that I've been waiting seven years to put on my back fence that says, you know, road to the finals or whatever from the old, uh, old arena auction before they demolished it. I really want to put that freaking thing up on my fence. Um, hopefully we make the playoffs. Uh, but anyway, we appreciate you listening. Please, please, on whatever, uh, you know, listening channel you're, you're hearing us on, please, you know, rate us provide us give us feedback just you can tweet at us uh you can reach me at papa giorgio mbo spencer what's your twitter handle at spencer strode and uh we'll we'll see you in uh in the next week get out the way get out the way get out the way yeah.